You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, January 29th. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Over 1,000 Sitkins responded to a cruise tourism survey recently circulated by the city's Tourism Task Force. When the task force met last Thursday night, they reviewed the survey results and continued to grapple with questions about how to right-size tourism in Sitka. The survey asked Sitkins to share specific numbers they'd like to see for the 2025 season. The majority of respondents said they want less tourism and support city regulation of that tourism. Most also supported having at least one designated quiet day each week and, on average, supported having about 400,000 cruise ship visitors per season. In addition to reviewing survey data, the task force wrestled with questions raised in recent town halls on the topic, like whether an increase in tourism could put Sitka's rural status at risk and how the city might handle a natural disaster with thousands of visitors in town. Vice Chair Rich McClear said it wasn't clear that Sitka's emergency response teams could handle that kind of load. And the earthquake that we had a few days ago really puts it in the focus. What happens if we have an earthquake and a tsunami and there are 10,000 people in town plus the local population? That scares me. And that's the question I really think we need to talk about. Task Force member Rich McClear is co-general manager of KCAW. Sitka Chamber of Commerce Executive Director Rachel Roy said understanding the city's capacity to expand infrastructure, like bathrooms and walkways for the 2025 season, would also help inform the task force recommendations. I think one of the things that we're seeing that is causing a lot of the congestion and the the trouble kind of that um, we hear comments about um, comes from infrastructure that hasn't been implemented. And, you know, I think of of projects like the Lincoln Street project that would widen the sidewalks that would change the the flow of that traffic pattern and um, and maybe solve some of that. Like, what are the things that are kind of in motion um, already so that um, we can kind of weigh some of this is going to be solved by these investments? City Planning Director Amy Ainsley noted that the task force didn't necessarily need to land on a magic number for cruise ship visitors and that they could pivot to focus on addressing the issues people had identified. Instead of focusing on um, a, you know, on a specific number, at least getting the, the things that are more easily identifiable that we think will have good, you know, good positive impact in terms of you know, Sitkin's overall, you know, tolerance level with, um, with the cruise season, um, and focus on those factors, not to say that, you know, that's, you know, that's the end-all, be-all vision of what the right number is now and going into the future, but at least these are the issues that rise to the top that we know we want, we want to address and want to work on. You can find the full survey results on our website, kcaw.org. The task force has been asked to give a recommendation to the Assembly by the end of April. At a special meeting on January 25th, the Sitka School Board made its official offer to hire Dr. Deidre Jensen as the next superintendent for the district. KCAW's Catherine Rose spoke with Jensen briefly ahead of the meeting about her experiences working in Alaska and her plans when she steps into the role on July 1st. You just found out of the nine candidates for superintendent of the Sitka School District, you were the sole finalist. I, I would be curious to know how you feel knowing that you'll likely be Sitka's next superintendent. I'm very excited, um, as is my husband. I'm also very honored. Uh, Sitka is a great school district, so I'm very honored to, to be that finalist, or, you know, that full finalist and then selected. So honored and excited. 
And you've worked all over Alaska in, in education in a number of, of roles. And I, I was wondering how Sitka School District, in, in the last you know half year or so that you've been working in the district, how does it compare to the other districts you've worked for? Um, what are some of the district's unique strengths or, or challenges that, that you've noticed? Well, Sitka um, is a little larger than some of the communities that I've been in, but it still has that small town feel, and that's just a that's an important thing for for me and my husband um, to live in a in a rural community. It's just a it's a family like feeling, and um, and I felt that with the school district as well. And the challenges along the same lines, though, when you're smaller, you end up having to wear more hats. There's this a little less funds to go around and a little less personnel to do the job, so you have to do multiple duties and multiple things. But I'm pretty excited. We have a really strong team uh, at the district and, you know, across the district. Teachers, paraprofessionals, um, office staff, I, you know, it's, it's, I'm excited to be working and being a part of that team and leading that team. And moving forward, what, what are your top few goals for the district going to be in the, in the coming years? Well, we started um, conversations with the strategic plan around the strategic plan this fall, and those need to continue. Uh, we did a little bit more follow-up in January at, at the teacher in-service, and, and board members came to that as well. We need to refocus a little bit um, and or just really hone in on exactly what we want to do. So the goals that that I would like to see, uh, of course, are, you know, we need to continue to build relationships. I, I, relationships are key, and that's why I like small small districts um, and smaller towns. Building those relationships is, is key. I think part of that is getting all the stakeholder input on what we really do need to focus on. And one of the, you know, one of the things that we need to figure out is the budget for this upcoming year. And uh, we'll be working on that yet and seeing what we can go from there. That was KCAW's Catherine Rose speaking with Sitka's new superintendent, Dr. Deidre Jensen. Jensen negotiated a three-year contract with the Sitka School Board at a special meeting on January 25th with a starting salary of $150,000 and the option for her salary to increase in the second and third year pending a favorable performance review from the board. Jensen's official start date is July 1st. State Senator Forrest Dunbar introduced a bill this legislative session that would create a psychedelic medicine task force. Most psychedelics are illegal at the federal level, but research shows that they have therapeutic benefits. The task force would look at the role psychedelics could play in addressing Alaska's mental health crisis. Alaska Public Media's Rachel Cassandra has more. The bill would set up a year-long task force that would look at barriers to psychedelic access, insurance and licensing requirements, and pathways to regulating the medicines in Alaska. Dunbar, a Democrat from Anchorage, introduced the bill in the Senate. He anticipates that the federal government will legalize some psychedelic substances for medical use soon, starting with psilocybin. That's the main active ingredient in several types of so-called magic mushrooms. We want Alaska to have a regulatory framework to potentially allow medical providers to use these substances, which have been shown in the early data of the tests to potentially have really positive impacts on people dealing with trauma and with addiction. Experts say medications with psilocybin and another psychedelic drug called MDMA are likely to be approved by the Food and Drug Administration within the next couple of years. 
The drugs can dramatically alter mood, perception, and cognition, but generally aren't considered addictive. Psilocybin was banned in the U.S. in 1968 and MDMA in 1985. Oregon and Colorado have legalized psilocybin for medical use, and several cities in the U.S. have decriminalized psilocybin or made it a low priority for law enforcement. Studies show psilocybin is effective for treating addiction and depression in some people, and it also shows promise in helping people cope with a terminal diagnosis to process emotions around death. Dunbar says it's important to figure out regulations before psychedelic medicines become legal. That will help make sure people who can benefit from the therapies have access to them. The hope is, because these are medical treatments, that we would find a way to bill insurance like anything else. And so I think that's a big part of it, is how do we make sure we can bill Medicaid and bill private insurance? And I know the indigenous community in particular needs to think about and will help guide the task force so that we can make sure we're getting funds into the traditional healers' hands as well. The year-long task force in Alaska would include people representing healthcare needs of Alaska Natives, veterans, and survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault. Dunbar says it's especially important the task force represents Alaska Native communities. He says some states have not included indigenous communities and traditional healers when crafting regulations and legislation for psychedelic medicine. Melissa Bradley is an epidemiologist based in Anchorage who researches psychedelic medicines. She became interested in studying psychedelics when she saw the strength of the research data. But she says psychedelics are not a simple therapy. Research shows psychedelic therapy can be difficult in the moment, but for some people, it provides long-lasting relief from symptoms of mental illness. So Bradley says figuring out how to offer medicines outside of the controlled environment of formal research studies will require a lot of creative problem-solving. To really figure out the mystery of psychedelics is figuring out the mysteries of consciousness. And we're kind of poking at that, you know, on the research side of things, But it's also moving forward in terms of policy. And so it will be kind of a wild west in terms of policy and regulation. Broadly supports starting a task force. So Alaska can start to address the challenge of introducing psychedelic medicine gracefully and equitably. Dunbar says psychedelic medicine could ultimately help a lot of Alaskans. He says they've shown promise treating some of the toughest mental health issues in the state, like trauma, addiction, and suicide. It doesn't work for everyone, but there are certainly people who could access these substances and potentially have life-changing medical results. There's no hearing planned yet for the psychedelic task force bill, but Dunbar says he hopes there will be one in early February. House Representative Jennifer Armstrong, a Democrat from Anchorage, introduced the corresponding House bill. In Anchorage, I'm Rachel Cassandra. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.